talking college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 11 of Season 3, if you're counting, that's nearly 120 episodes of Talking Local Sports. And we've got a great guest this week, a first time on the podcast guest, but a name and a voice very familiar to Springfield area sports. It's U-High football head coach Brody Walworth. First, though, we've got what I saw in the past week. Last Thursday, caught some Williamsville soccer as they pick up a win at Athens to secure the Sagamo Conference title. Then, later that evening, U-High sweeps Lincoln in Central State 8 volleyball action. The Pioneers all but lock up the conference title with a couple of games to go. Two very good teams in that one. We could see that rematch again in the postseason. At least I hope we do. Maybe, hopefully, very late in the postseason. Friday evening, I was in Chatham. A great football game between Sacred Heart Griffin and Glenwood. The Cyclones go up big early. Glenwood rallies in the second half, and the Cyclones are able to run out the clock with Christian Pollard. Jumping ahead to Monday, I saw Lincoln Volleyball bounce back for a win against Pleasant Plains at home. Then on Tuesday, I was in Rochester to see the Glenwood Titans take home a road win over the Rockets in CS8 Volleyball. The young freshmen and sophomores for the Titans continue to improve. They're going to be a tough out in the postseason. What's coming up on Channel 1450, you ask? On Thursday, the big soccer game in the Central State 8. Rochester travels to Springfield High. That's going to be a great one. Make sure you get out to Lee Field at 6 o'clock. On Friday, I will be in Moroa Forsyth for Williamsville at Moroa, and we will have a handful of other highlights as well from Friday Night Lights. On Saturday, Sagamo Cross Country at Williamsville and CSA Tennis at Washington Park. That's what's coming up this weekend on Channel 1450. On Tuesday, Williamsville with the chance to clinch the Sagamo Volleyball title with Illini Central coming to town. All right, let's get to this week's guest. It's normal U-High football head coach, Brody Walworth. Welcome in Brody Walworth to the podcast this week to talk um, talk football, talk CSA, talk playoffs, man. Let's let's start there. How, how good does it feel when that clock hits zero last Friday and you guys say, okay, we got we got that fifth win. That's. I mean, it was a pretty awesome feeling. Uh, obviously, coming here and knowing it was going to be a rebuild and being able to have watched the process kind of happen and unfold and you know, watching the weight room grow over the course of three years and then watching, uh, you know, us learn how to compete in a really tough conference. And I mean, those groups before this group, I mean, I'm thinking of Colin and Zach Hoffman and Isaiah and Elon and Bronson, so many guys that whose efforts, you know, directly showed up on Friday night to in that fifth win. And then obviously this year's team, we've got some guys that are playing at a pretty high level and who have worked their tails off uh, over the course of the last three years now, two and a half years working in the weight room, working at practice. And so, you know, it's fun, uh, but it's mostly fun for me because I know where it started and like I've been able to right. see the progression happen over the course of a couple of years. So it, it's exciting, but also, you know, I can't, be a coach without saying six you know we're not guaranteed anything yeah yeah Um, okay fair enough that's that's fine um no i want to go into that and and kind of put it in an analogy for a minute just in terms of when you get here you see what you have you see what's in the closet um but you're kind of like a contractor where you say hey i need the guys that are here to really believe to buy in to be the guys that are going to lay that concrete, the guys that are going to build those things that maybe they don't get to live in this house. They don't get to see. Mm. They, they're not going to be the guys that get those playoff t-shirts. They're, they're the guys that have to lay the foundation, that have to believe, that have to buy in to make sure that the younger guys do that. And that's something that you as a coach and you as a as a person who, you know, been through this before, you understand it, but how do you get those kids to do that that's something that i mean it can't be easy to do 
you know, it's not, but at the same time, I think kids want to compete, you know, and they want to be challenged, even if directly they may not say that. I think that they enjoy that. And um, so there's that. But then from a like strategic perspective, how do you as a coach try to um, enhance that, right? And activate that feeling that I'm doing something important and special. I mean, so we have a couple of like phrases that we use kind of consistently that are kind of Mm -hmm. like program values. And and one of them is what kind of footprint are you going to leave? And so like we really encouraged those players, right? Those seniors, especially my first year, I think there were eight of them to think about, hey, what you're doing is really about what kind of footprint you're going to leave behind on this U High football program. And that that's not only important for like you and us as a team and a future team, but like how do you also think about that when you go out into the world as an adult, you know, and what kind of footprint are you going to leave on the people that are around you? And so we don't talk just about football. We talk about life. We talk about what kind of dad you want to be when you grow up. What kind of brother are you? What kind of son are you? Um, And so we really try to focus on thinking about, you know, football mostly as an avenue for what kind of human are you going to be? And so leaving a footprint is a big thing. And I I think, you know, if I were sitting across from Bronson and Josh Hoffman and Elon and Colin Cunningham and and some of these guys who were major parts of our program over the last two years, Jaquan Harris, I mean, we just have had a ton of kids really dedicate themselves to the idea that they were going to do something special and help lead in that way and i i think you know together those are the guys that are texting me after these games too you know and i'm sure they're they're teammates yeah and that's something that you as an adult you as a head coach you as a guy who's been through this before you understand what that takes and and also you've seen the process of building young men into successful men in society but for a 15 16 year old kid for them to believe that like yeah they can like the sayings they can like the stuff on the t-shirts but like you said, they're competitive people. They they want to compete. They especially this school. They they come here to compete. They come here to win. Yep. So to say, hey, you know, you might not reap the benefits right now, but I promise you, as an adult, when you don't get that job or you you get a job where or you know you have a situation with your wife where you have to deal with adversity. Yep. Those are things that you're building the foundation for that you may not see the benefits of now, but I promise you, you're gonna call me in 15 years and say, hey, guess what? <laughs> Brody, you were right, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Because, it's happened. Because in the weight room at 6 a.m. one morning, that's not something that they're thinking about, man. Right. That's tough. Right. It is hard. Um, but I think kids also want to be a part of something. And so, like, what do you get out of the day-to-day? Well, I mean, we do a ton of, like, culture stuff, too, that we want kids to still have fun playing the game. And so, like, you're right. It's not always an easy sell to think about so, something that's so big picture as, like, my future life, right? Um, but, like... You know, we have team dinners. You know, we have uh, Madden tournaments. We watch the Super Bowl together. So, like, I try to add as much as I can to, like, the the months that they're playing football, we try to be around each other a lot in positive ways, too, and not just the grind, the weight room practice, you know. Um, and I think that helps build those bonds of camaraderie and brotherhood as well. And so when you care about the guy next to you, you're less worried about the winning and the losing and more worried about, hey, I'm going to go out there with my guys and I'm going to put my best foot forward. And I think that's what we've been able to do. I mean, 
you know, thinking back to that first year, I mean, you know, people from outside probably wouldn't point to our game against Sacred Heart that year as like a game that we, you know, thought we did some good things in because we got, you know, whatever, smacked in yeah. terms of like yeah. the score. Um, but like, that was a team everyone in the state was talking about how good they were. We were not very good. And, you know, we were on the road. It was week eight. We had no chance to make the postseason. It was raining. You know, a game you could have easily gone into and just fold the tent and say, you know, Let's here's your win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and our kids fought like crazy. You know, it was like 21 nothing at half. I think they scored again, uh, to like 28 nothing basically. And then we went down and scored on their number one defense, right? I got a team that got second in state. With, and like, because our kids were like really starting to buy into like, hey, let's go compete, let's fight. And so we end up losing whatever, you know, 49 to seven or fifth who I don't even remember the yeah. score but I remember walking out of the stadium going we're figuring it out because yeah. we're learning how to compete and fight even against teams who are superior to us in talent or you know skill or size or whatever and I think now that we're in year three you're starting to see the that reward you know that seed being reaped a little bit like you said year three did you when you when you took the job, when you saw what was here, when you saw what was available, when you see what the CS8 is, what was your realistic timeline? Did you think you know two years, three years, or was it okay if if I'm not here by four, then I need to start figuring something else out? Like I need to do something different. You know, uh, it's an interesting question because I think probably that got talked about in the like interview process with the athletic director and so on, and I am not a big believer in the time frame thing because. I have this three-word phrase that I use to the players, and they honestly they probably, you know, make fun of it sometimes. You know how kids are. Yeah. Like, we really believe in process over product. And so, like, to me, if you're doing the process right, the product is just a matter of time until it's going to happen. And I don't know that we put a time frame on it because, you know, especially here, we don't know what our classes of students are going to look like. You know, I don't know who my players are going to be on the freshman football team next year. Um, I don't have a good idea necessarily of whether we're going to be talented, big, small, fast, not fast. Um, and so really, it really is especially important to just focus on doing things the right way. How do we practice? How do we treat each other? How do we lift weights? You know, uh, do we care about the team over ourselves? I mean, these are things that we really value. And so if you're doing the process right, the product you want is only a matter of time. And I think that's really what this year has been is really the process becoming the, the product. Um, and we got close a couple times last year, you know, and it just didn't happen. But again, like you saw the competitive nature, the spirit, the an increase in physicality, an increase in want to um, start to happen. And we just didn't quite get the wins, but you could see it happening. Uh, and so I think that's all a result of just being very driven by process and the how and not the results of the games. Where did those three words come from for you? And, and give me a little bit of background. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. I was at Grand Valley State uh, University as a, you know, basically my like coaching career. You know, I got started when I was very young and I loved 
uh, early on, especially when I was still trying to learn the ropes. I would just, on spring break, I would just pick a school where I maybe knew a coach or something, and I would go spend two or three days with a coaching staff and just like sit there and try to be a sponge. Yeah. Well, Grand Valley State, phenomenal Division II football program in Michigan, uh, near Grand Rapids, and my high school line coach, George Barnett, uh, on his circuit to who's now the Iowa offensive line coach, which is pretty impressive, yeah. um, was at Grand Valley for a while. And so I had some connections up there, and so I went and spent a couple days at Grand Valley, and what do I see? A sign on the wall that says process over product. When I walk into their, like, you know, football offices. And yeah. so I start talking to Coach Mitch and Coach Postma, who were there hosting us about that. And uh, that's where it came from. I saw that sign on the wall, and I was like, you know what? I think that's who I am. And it's just a, a great way to think about, some people call it, you know, results over, or sorry, uh, decisions over results. You know, I've heard Drew Brees say that, um, process over outcome. I mean, there's different ways to yeah. say it, but once I saw that sign, I was like, that's who I already am, but now I have like this phrase. A meaning to, to uh, uh, the words you, to it. The yeah, words yeah, yeah. to it. You, yeah. have, you have it in your mind, but yeah, it, it, like you said, it's good to have that sort of mantra, that sort of, you know, that saying that I still remember the first time we came up for Pixie Preview when you took the job um, the first interview we did with one of your kids he said it like twice two or three times <laughs> yeah. it was like clearly Brody's got these kids you know yeah. it's in their head yeah. okay so one more on that when you when you adopt that and you say okay the process everybody knows what the product is how do you as a coach start to build that process because that's that's obviously the most important thing that you have to get kids to not only believe in but you have to understand that and say this is what I believe in. This is what I want them to see. And almost all that process stuff has nothing to do with like what kind of offense we're going to run. Right. right. It's like, I mean, we have four values in our program, uh, family, service, relentlessness, and excellence. And so that starting point, that's the process. Right. And so like from a like head coaching perspective and where I think I'm probably better now than I ever was in the past and partly because of that little gap I took from planes to here I think I was really able to refine what matters to us as a football program and those are the four things that emerged for me right family how do I take care of my teammates here and my coaches and my the parents that are a part of it in the school like we really believe in you know sometimes people say family and as like a cliche but for us it really is about how we treat one another and whether or not we care about other people's success and not just my own right service am i willing to serve my team more than i am myself am i willing to serve my community my school uh you know relentlessness that now we're getting into some more athletic kind of things that competitive spirit that want to that's never going to stop that urgency and then excellence right we want those go together that urgency to be great right. uh and so those are the things we spend a lot of time talking about and when we have let's say a discipline issue we're not talking about punishment we're talking about how you're no not reflecting in our four values right. you know and so i think that changes that at least you know what we've seen has been a big part of how we've been able to change the culture is that like we're not coming at this thing as like hey we want to win more games obviously we do i'm competitive as heck you know and our kids are too but like that was never the the like process part of it right like the process is like are you willing to get up at 6 a.m to lift weights right and if you are 
now that relentlessness is starting to show. And the more people we can get to do that, the more people we can get to like take every rep and practice seriously um, as a way, as an opportunity to get better as that builds, right? And then now I, as a competitor, see Derek Paris starting to outwork me a little bit and outlift me and maybe get ahead of me a little bit on the depth chart. Now I'm a little more motivated. And so that's how it kind of builds up to a point where, you know, I bet if you, you've sat across from Derek Leonard several times in one of these podcasts, I mean, Derek didn't start winning state championships right out of the gate, right? Mm-hmm. They had to build up to it. And I think that's, you know, that's a long way away from us probably, or maybe not super long, hopefully, but we're not there yet. But like, it's a process to get there. And I think that, you know, is a long answer to your question. Probably. No, I appreciate that. But, you know, in those four words and those four core values that you talked about, um, there wasn't any mention of five, six, seven wins in a season. There wasn't no. any mention of um, one player scoring four touchdowns in a game or one player getting two interceptions in a game. Um, how does that relate to these kids who, especially in this day and age where everyone's trying to play in college, everyone's trying to post their highlights, everyone's trying to make sure that they're the best in the conference or whatever, like you said, those kids have to buy into the, the team, the family, the mm-hmm. service of it. Um, and that's not easy for kids these days, especially when they're so hungry for that instant gratification, that that college scholarship, that division one, whatever it may be, to where, I mean, that's that's you haven't mentioned anything about any of those things that I just said. <laughs> yeah. um, and in this day and age, that's got to be tough for a coach to navigate that. I think it's it's tough, but at the same time, like... I don't know. I'm a little old school, I guess, and I I just think, like, if it comes from your heart, which for me it does, then I'm not selling them something, right? I'm not trying to, like, pit one thing against the other. And I'm trying to tell them, look, this is what I really think works. And if you want that college scholarship, this is actually your best path to achieve it because, like, our team's success will only enhance people looking at you, right? And, like, if you're guess what those college coaches are looking for they're not looking for you on your best plays when they truly start recruiting you they want to watch what you're doing when you're not scoring touchdowns are you blocking for your teammates right if you're a receiver right are you uh spiking your helmet on the sideline or you know yelling at a teammate those are the things that college coaches want to know now you know there are guys out there that are so talented that sure (laughs) they'll look past some of that but um, for the most part, you know, colleges want to know what are your grades like, what's your family like, you know, what kind of person are you? Because yeah. they don't want to recruit a bunch of guys that are going to be a pain in the rear. And so I really think that while I understand Instagram and all this stuff that's out there as a potential like competition for their you know mental space mm-hmm. versus me saying actually you should care about your teammate more than you care about your statistics. I I actually think a lot of the motivations you mentioned, like playing college football, winning games, you know, those actually only really happen if you do these other things well. Um, And so, you know, I don't think it's naive. And I think that like, as long as you mean it, and I think kids know that I'm a fairly honest person and I pretty much wear uh, what I believe right out in front of me on my sleeves so you know I think that helps because I'm not trying I'm not a snake I'm not selling snake oil you know I'm saying hey this is 
quote it's going to take for right. us to be successful. Because, I mean, I haven't been doing this that long, but in the time that I have, especially at Channel 1450, those kids that you mentioned that might be able to get away with those few things are maybe one or two a year that, <laughs> yeah. that we cover. Yeah. There's maybe one or two. Uh, Hank Beatty, and he's not a kid that would ever do anything like you just talked about. But at the same time, in terms of the talent to get away with it, sorry, but there's not that many. There's not that many in the CSA. There's, right. There's maybe one or two a year, and that's about it. So yep. guess what? It's it's about do you go over and lift your teammate's head up after he made a bad play, or you you those things to where it because college coaches do pay attention to that way more, and they're going to see that way more than they're going to see. You scored four touchdowns against a team that hasn't won a game this year. We get a lot of college recruiters walking through the doors, you know, not just us, but all of us high school coaches. And the first question out of almost every college coach's mouth is, what are their grades like? Mm-hmm. And what's their family life like? That's what they care about. Yeah. You know, now, because they're going to watch the film, they're going to be able to see whether or not it's a kid they want in their program. Sure. But when they talk to us yeah. as coaches, sure. they want to know what they're not seeing on the film. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to last Friday night when you get that fifth win this year. Um, and, and then I, I, I want to throw in the story of I hear a lot of coaches' speeches throughout the years. And two that I will always remember is the one that you gave after the state championship game. Mm-hmm. And then the, the one the week before that after you guys won the semifinal on your home field. And the feeling that you get that I could see in your eyes and just the passion and the the understanding of not only what that meant for the program but for those kids and for those guys and especially after the state championship game the the words that you said in terms of what that will mean for those kids later on in life where, where does it compare when you know okay we got to that fifth win this year that's something that these kids can never take away from them mm, I think um, probably the biggest difference right now is that like we're still right in the middle of it's only week seven yeah, yeah, sorry. Right. <laughs> Try, trying to like you know we want to keep trying to win you know like this thing is not uh, not over for us right and I think the so the biggest difference I think would be between those two feelings really is like the semifinal game or the state game you know at Plains that's the end and we knew it was the end mm-hmm. right like even when in the semifinal game, you know, like, hey, you got one more. That's it. Um, whereas now, right, the mentality is like, okay, we've accomplished this thing, which is great, and you should be thrilled about it. But there's more left to do, mm-hmm. right? There's more work left to do. And so, you know, I think really honestly, you probably would have had the simplest speech I ever gave if you were up here last <laughs> Friday. I mean, I literally was like, congratulations, great job, enjoy yep. it. But like, I want to go beat Chatham on Friday. Right. You know, like we. I mean, you're still in the. You guys have lost one conference game. You're still in the conversation for competing for a CSA title, which sure. is something that a lot of schools going into week seven would haven't had that feeling before. <laughs> right. You know? Right. There's not that many teams that, that can say that. Right. And like we, I think we've just changed the level of expectation around here. And that really is what I think, you know, we weren't sitting around going, oh my gosh, we've done everything we want to do now, you know? Um, on Friday and so I think that's really been our especially these last two weeks uh, you know we've played folks that haven't uh, had a lot of success this year and so for us it really had to be about like if we're going to be a good football team 
we can't rest on the laurels of winning one or two games that people maybe thought we weren't going to win at the beginning of the year. Like, what do good football teams and championship football teams do? They focus on the process. They come back to work, and they're trying to reach their potential. Not can we win this one game, but what's our, like, ceiling, and how can we push ourselves to get there? And so I think that is kind of what we've been talking to them about. And now, you know, it's now we're going to play a really good football team on the road. Chatham's got a great environment. You know, it's loud. They're going to have a ton of people there. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like, hey, this is a really good test for what it might look like in the postseason. Um, Not to mention they've lost two straight games. Oh, they're going to be fired up. Enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, they'll be fired up. Um, When you look at Chatham and, you know, going into this game, um, I want to go back to SHG and MacArthur. Which game did you learn more about your team in? Um, you know, I think both games were pretty different. I think the SHG game was like a continuation of us, like I said earlier, like being willing to go f- compete and fight against anybody. And I think it definitely showed that. Um, but I think the MacArthur game probably said more about who I think this team is. Um, because that is like, especially the last couple years I've been here, a matchup nightmare. You know, the speed and athleticism and size and physicality that MacArthur brings to the table is not what we are like known for, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, and so to be able to go out um, and not just compete with them, but really take it to them at times and hold, you know, the best running back I've seen in a long time. To under 100 yards Um, and you know same with their quarterback I mean we bottled him up running the ball too and he's a a load back there um, running the ball and so I I think that said a lot about like who our team believes they can be Mm -hmm. Uh, that is we don't really care what the matchup is we don't care who says what about whether we're going to win or lose we're like laser focused on going out and doing our jobs and competing as best we can that's got to be a product so to speak that yep. that has to be that mindset change of okay this is this is who we are now we're not the team that hey if things go right we play a perfect game we get a few bounces we can be in the game like no you're going in games to, to win games yep that's something you're three's you're three in that you have to be proud of I am proud of it. And, like, you know, I'll think back to how I feel like I'm digging into the past here a little bit, but, like, I'll go back to week nine Jacksonville last year. Okay, we had just lost game five the week before that, so we're out of the playoff hunt. Now you're going on the road to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. They work really good. Mm-hmm. You know, they got this kid going to uh, Indiana State who's a phenomenal player. Coach Grounds is a phenomenal coach. And, like, our kids had every reason to be, like, Eh, year's over. Cool. You yeah. know. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we came out and punched him in the mouth a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, we're up at halftime now. They ended up scoring 70 on us. We weren't, <laughs> you know, like we, we weren't ready uh, to finish the game yet. But, like, we scored 40-something on a playoff team. We were ahead, you know, multiple scores in the first half and at halftime. And, like, we were really competitive against a really good football team. And, again, like, what do you look for in these signs? Like, our kids wanted to win. 
And we didn't. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go play. It was their last game playing together. Let's go play and have fun and do, you know, the best we can do. And I think those that mentality, right? I mean, started the reason I bring that up, even though it was last year, is that I think last year's team really pushed us to the brink of like being a competitive team yeah. in this conference. Yeah. Um, and so those guys, right, left a heck of a footprint on the kids that are playing right now and I think because of things like going and competing against in a game that you know you didn't have a ton of incentive to compete in that's what has led directly to like the weight room being hopping this offseason right I mean triple the attendance that we were having my first year or two Uh, and that then leads to hey we can go compete against MacArthur we can be in a game against Sacred Heart Griffin um, even though we came up short in that one because we believe we can win when you stepped away, I still remember that conversation you had with Kirker and just the honesty, the the openness, and also just the just I mean, to me as a, a sports reporter, how smart you you came off as just how how well you understand things and how how well you as a football coach. So I was n- never surprised when you took this job and got it. Um, what did, but what what looking back now on it. What, do you, what did you learn from that time that you took away mm. that you really not necessarily changed who you were because I don't think you did, but I guarantee in those years you learned something about yourself and what you wanted to present as a head coach? I think the main thing that I was able to do was, you know, when you're in the grind or in the fight, you know, it's kind of sometimes hard to, like, really look at like reflectively what you are doing or were doing that was either good or bad, right? Because you're like trying to get to the next day in the weight room. You're trying to like get to the next clinic. You're trying to do X's and O's stuff. You're trying to make sure, you know, so-and-so is going to play next year. And so when you're not actively coaching, you get a chance to like sit back and go, well, what are these guys that are super successful doing that maybe I wasn't doing, Mm -hmm. right? And like, Aaron Coons and I are good friends, the head coach of Williamsville. And so, like, I was able to pick his brain from kind of afar because even though I was in Seattle and then kind of working out of Mattoon, like, I was constantly in communication with a lot of my friends in the coaching where I was watching film on the side for, you know, different people. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know, I got to go watch a couple practices of different coaches and different teams. And, and so, you know, you get to see how other people operate. You get to hear what their perspectives are you know you get to go well why do you do that you know and so like for example I mean I'll say one that I learned from Aaron I mean he started doing a a book study Mm -hmm. well I just stole that you know directly from him and he probably stole it from somebody else and that's that's coaching that's teaching that's Mm -hmm. how we all learn and get better Uh, and so like I think it just allowed me to sit back and really think about what did we those four years I was a head coach at Plains what did we do well what are some areas that I think I can improve as a head coach, um, which I think was especially important because, you know, I learned a lot from watching Brad Pugh do it for two years there. Uh, and in fact, a lot of stuff that we do from like a practice planning perspective and stuff like that still echoes a lot of what I learned with him. And so then that time off allowed me to expand out and see what other people were doing. Uh, and then also I would say like I got to reflect on my own practices like where do I feel like I was strong as a head coach and where did I think some of the weaknesses were and I think that's where the values came from is I thought 
you know, the program we had at Plains was good, but it it didn't have like a a defining well, who are we. Yeah. And I think that was what I the biggest thing I, I learned was like that I thought it was really important to come in and say this is who I want to be and who I expect us to be, and I th- I think we've done a good job of doing that so far. I wish there was a way to show without showing anything. Um, when we go do our pick scene preview tour and go to 21 football practices in, mm. in four or five days, um, there's obviously ones that we're more excited about or vice versa. Um, but I wish a lot of times that not only the coaches but like the seniors could see how different programs do things and practice and understand you know what it takes to be successful because it's like when we show up and we know we don't i mean i don't know a ton about football but i can tell you which programs are probably going to win more games based on mm-hmm. their practices yeah and that's something that um I don't, I don't really know how to articulate that but it's something that you can see pretty simply and like you said as a head coach you probably had to reflect on that a little bit to say you know i like what we're doing and i see what the results are but at the same time Maybe if I step back and, and take a look at it and, and really dig into certain things, you can learn things about And that was really that whole point in my life was about that, right? I mean, like, I didn't really leave coaching or teaching permanently necessarily, but I felt like I got to this point where I needed to, like, get more tools for the tool bag, essentially, yeah. especially from a teaching perspective, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, Echo and all, I don't remember all of that interview, but I know that's what Zach and I talked a yeah. lot about was, you know, like education and kind of the way the world is headed. Yeah. And so like, I think that was also a time in my life when I was being very reflective and really interested in how can I improve myself in order to then, yeah. you know, be a better change agent and make a better positive impact on the young people that I get, you know, fortunately to be around. Okay, so in that same conversation, I want to go a little deeper there. Um, in terms of, of myself and my role, I, I admit that I'm such a competitive person that I'm horrible at delegating. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, if I see something that needs to be done, I'll do it. It doesn't matter how long it takes, I'll do it. Um, as a head coach of a football program where you're dealing with so many kids, so many different coaches, where do you learn from that in terms of how to delegate, how to make sure that, yes, your imprint is on everything, but you can't do everything. Well, I, well, first of all, you learn by the stress of trying to do everything. So like, especially when I was brand new to it, I guarantee you that's how I was. I was trying to do everything. And like my coaching staff, I think at Plains, if I remember right, we probably had like, I think maybe I had five assistants my first year and then maybe six or seven the next year. And then I think I got up to where we had eight coaches on staff yeah. or something like that. And so that, that makes a difference too. Um, but basically, you know, that feeling of burnout will start to set in if you don't delegate. Mm-hmm. That feeling of like constantly being behind. Those are things that like, again, if you can be reflective and try to identify these, you know, emotions in yourself, that can be very helpful in going, okay, I need to step back and is there someone who's capable of helping me with this? And so like, and do you trust that person? And do you trust that person? But also like, what am I really good at? Well, let me try to keep doing that. And then what are the things that I'm maybe not as good at that there's almost definitely somebody out there that can do this thing. Um, 
better than I can. And so I think that's important too, is to like have enough humility to be like, right. Actually, I may, I'm probably not even that good at this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know yeah. why am I doing it? Yeah. I've got these other people that want to help, that uh -huh. want to be also successful. Um, and so like, you know, I think that is important and, and you have to delegate. And that really football, you know, a lot, especially because we have a lot more kids in our programs yeah. typically than other sports. And that means more parents and that means more people that are just kind of interested in what you're doing. And so like, if you don't delegate, there literally isn't enough time in the day. And especially here in Illinois, like in Texas, you know, where you're getting paid just to coach, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, it's year round. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then that guy, right, he's, now he's got all this new st extra stuff on his plate yeah. too. So, um, anyway, I, I do think it's important to be reflective enough to go, you know what, actually, I'm probably not even the best person at this job on my staff or in my program. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's important to be able to do that. And I think to tell your coaches up front, like, hey, I am not gonna do everything because we can't be successful if that's uh, what's happening. And so like being up front with your staff too, and when you hire people, hey, these are the expectations. And I said, you know, what is, there's a phrase out there, clarity is kindness. You know, I try really hard to do that. That's, you know, when we're building a staff, when we're hiring someone like, hey, these are the expectations for what you're gonna be asked to do to be a part of this program. Yeah. What, as a, as a head coach and as somebody who's always trying to learn, and especially in this day and age of high school football where so many things can change, um, how much do you rely on you know, continuing your coaching education and when do you have time for that and how do you go about approaching that? You know, I think as I've gotten, you know, to be more of a veteran coach, honestly, my coaching education comes mostly from watching other people. Like I can, I can just put film on and watch what other people are doing and I feel like that uh, is pretty helpful for me. So like when I was first doing it, man, I was at clinics non-stop I, mean, I was at every glacier clinic i could potentially drive to basically um which is a coaching clinic for the podcast <laughs> listeners yeah. that don't know what that is it's a football coaching organization um i was off on trips like grand valley i mean i came up here to isu before i mean i was always going somewhere to try to sit in rooms and learn with people and now i still love to do that but it's more choosy i guess i'm a little more picky yeah uh when i was going to a glacier i mean i'd sit and listen to anybody's like fire hose yeah. right and you yeah. just get little bits and pieces but now maybe i'll see something that somebody does and i'll and then that becomes three hours of a conversation this one thing right that i saw somebody do um but it is important to keep learning and keep growing and like you know just watching college football sometimes too you yeah. know or pro football or like following some people on twitter but then it becomes like you got to have the right uh, filter mm -hmm. because yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. if you get oh, on yeah. X or whatever it is now and people are posting all these plays, mm -hmm. you can all of a sudden end up with uh, yeah. a lot of stuff you're you're trying to install, uh, which is not necessarily good. So good old X is probably about two percent good and ninety eight percent bad. So you yeah. can find that too, but yeah. you, you got to sift through it. Yeah. Um, all right, so I've taken up plenty of your time. I just want to wrap up with you know talking a little bit more about this team and, and what yeah. we have moving forward because entering week seven um we're halfway to where every team hopes that they can get when you look at this team what is the ceiling that you that you put on them what is the ceiling that you see 
their potential is because like you said that you really feel like this team has turned that corner and, and is in a different conversation on a different tier in a different trajectory yeah and so you know, the thing with answering a question like what your ceiling is, then you put a ceiling on it. Yeah. You know, and so I think I'll deflect slightly and just say it really is whether or not we're going to keep focused on the process. And like, um, you know, we got three conference games left ahead of us all against really good football teams. And, you know, I think we need to be laser focused on Chatham and not worry too much about playoff T-shirts, right. you know who's, you know, all, all the kind of stuff, the noise, I like to call it, that's yeah. out there, you know, like when you got the janitors and, you know, I told the kids, you know, Aunt Shelly from New Hampshire's calling to talk to you about football all of a sudden and yeah. people are coming, like that sometimes can get in your head, yeah. you know, and then if your head coach gets on a podcast and goes, <laughs> well, our ceiling is, you know, the state championship game, then all of a sudden you start uh -oh. going, yeah. hey, we're pretty good, Yeah, you know, and then that's when you get beat. And then you can go into Chatham and yeah, lose by 40. Gets, yeah, exactly. Like, well, no, well, seriously. Yeah, and so yeah. um, that kind of stuff is why it's so important to be locked in on the, on the process. Yeah. And so I will just say that, like, our ceiling right now is the we have a chance to beat Chatham, yeah. you know, and if that's what we're thinking about, that's, then we're doing the right thing. Yeah. We can't play some quarterfinal game right now, you know, right. in our heads. Yeah. Uh, we've got to be locked in on trying to get to six and one and get, you know, cause our number one next goal is to lock it in, yeah. you know, to get that sixth win. And then after that, then you're playing for seeding, right? And so like, to me, that's how my brain is thinking. Yeah. I'm not wor worried uh -huh. about seven weeks yeah. from now. Okay, so when we talked at the beginning of the year and you looked at the team and what you had, obviously the, the question at quarterback knew, especially with co what Colin did and, and how he, you know, like you said, continued to build this program and really kind of set that standard. Um, there was a lot of question marks going into this year in mm -hmm. terms of the personnel and, you know, guys like Mason coming out and seeing what you're going to get from him. Um, so what, what have you really learned in these six weeks about those questions that you had and how confident are you in, in those questions that are now obviously a five-win team, hopefully more. <laughs> well, I think probably what I've learned that I knew before most people did is that Alec Weiland's really good. And having a quarterback that can just go out there and put it where it's supposed to be and be efficient and move in the pocket, um, that makes a lot of other things easier. It makes your receivers look better. It makes uh, your play calling look better. And so, you know, I think Alec has stepped right into those shoes Colin left there for him and really even taken it to another level, in, in my opinion. Um, as great, uh, Colin was a phenomenal player, but and Alec, I think, has stepped right into that and kept our, you know, ship headed in the right direction, yeah. if you will. But I also think, like, our offensive line was super young and super undersized last year, and so I think we're a lot better up front than we have been because um, we're a lot bigger, we're stronger, we're, we're a lot more veteran. Um, and so I think that's a, been a big part of our success as well. I think we, we protect the quarterback pretty well. And then, you know, you look out at our receivers, especially, you know, we got some playmakers out there. And, you know, last couple of years, we've had guys that really run great routes and understand the offense. But I think like, were we in a speed, in a very speedy league yeah. with a lot of athletic mm -hmm. defenders, were we really top end 
you know, fast enough or athletic enough to compete with some of the best teams. I don't know if that's been true. And so now I think, you know, Mason has really taken that to another level. We've got someone that can go win a one-on-one -on -one ball against darn near anybody in the league. You know, we've got a sophomore in Cade Cunningham, Collins' brother, who's got some wheels out yeah. there. Um, and so, like, now I think when you look at our offense, it's not just Colin and some pieces around him yeah. that, that work really hard and, and did some great things for us. But now you're looking at us going, okay, the quarterback scrambles pretty good. They have multiple receiving weapons. We got running backs that are willing to stick their foot in the ground and get north and south. And so I think from an offensive perspective, especially, we're just a lot more multiple than we have been. And then defensively, we're just playing a ton more physical. We're just getting downhill, we're tackling better. Um, and again, that's a year of, in the weight room because our defense basically front seven almost all returned. Yeah. You know, and so we've, those kids, I think that that veteran, that year of experience where they were a little smaller, were a little less sure, now is like really starting to, you can see it on the field that we're like flying around a little more like, like a top level team should do. Also, if you're 16, 17 years old in this league and you get beat up a little bit, you're going to learn some things. That's, <laughs> Absolutely. That's turn around and say, okay, I'm going to do that next year. Yeah. Yep. Work, work hard enough. And we've got a great core of kids that have done that and have been really our core. I mean, my first year here, I mean, if you think about our guys that are juniors, they were freshmen my first year. And so these juniors and seniors that I have now are all kids that pretty much know just my way, right? The seniors a little bit. Uh, played for one other coach but um, you know we've got a bunch of juniors playing a lot of football for us and playing at a really high level and I think part of that uh, is because they've only known this process you know uh, and they you know what we've got eight seniors I think maybe nine nine I think and um, like 17 or 18 juniors you know and so I think that also is like yeah. a big part of why we're able to succeed is we're starting to get where there's multiple classes yeah. you know in there with capable folks so um you talk to any coach that's had success i mean those classes of like 25 or 30 they're nice but really i think in an ideal world you're putting back-to-back -back classes yeah. of kids who are all capable of playing out there Awesome. Thanks for your time, man. Good luck. Uh, safe travels to channel. Appreciate it. A huge thank you to Brody for his time and great conversation. That was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. All right. That's it for this week. Please share if you enjoyed it. Remember, a like, a share, a retweet on our stuff costs you $0 and it helps us out immensely. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. <laughs>